welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. My name is Matt Donnelly. Matt Donnelly, what do we do every single week on the Shoot This Now podcast? Oh my God. Every week on the Shoot This Now podcast, we talk about ideas we think should be adapted for film and television. And this week, we have a film about a film which is also about World War II. And it's a doozy. It's the SS doozy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the USS doozy, however. It's unfortunately the Nazi Germany doozy. Um, People we don't like on the Shoot This Now podcast. But we think that sometimes um, you can make a compelling movie about people you don't like. That's true. And also some things are just so outrageous that it needs to be called attention to the fact that they were true and that they existed. Um, Like this, which I had no idea was even a real film. Yeah, this whole thing is like an advertisement for reading or digging deep into YouTube. Because if you go on YouTube, you can find a very strange film. Um, in addition to 1997's Titanic by James Cameron. Which is one of the biggest films, of, I think, blockbuster films of all the time. And in addition to A Night to Remember, the classic film about the Titanic, there was another much less seen film about the Titanic, which was made by the Nazis. <laughs> this is a story about propaganda and hypocrisy. In 1943, Nazi Germany made the most expensive propaganda film ever made, a $180 million story of the Titanic that blamed British greed and waste for the ship's sinking. It ended with a courtroom scene and the lines, the deaths of 1,500 people remain unatoned for, an eternal condemnation of England's quest for profit. Yes, the moral arbiters of the Nazi party in Germany during World War II. It's absurd. Germany tried to make the case that a class divide was one of the reasons so many lives were lost. The only problem with that argument is that Nazi Germany (laughs) was Nazi Germany. Yeah. One of the most unequal societies in history where some people were sent to die in camps and others stole everything from those people. Wow. They are, it is maybe a case of right message, wrong messenger. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nazis not really in a good position to point out hypocrisy and uh, selfishness, greed, a host of other flaws in others. Yeah. Um, also, like, there's it's not, it's so funny to see how um, how keenly aware people were of 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 the value of IP, even during <laughs> World War II. They're like, this Titanic thing is a big deal. We should really hitch our wagon to this star. Like, <laughs> oh boy, um, so is that controversial to say? I just think it's so funny. Like. I mean, and yes, the the, the Nazi party had a long. Um, is, it, is it okay to call them a party? Is to recognize them as any kind of political system aside a, from the thugs and disgusting, par- like. Um, we don't mean party like they were fun. No, I mean like as in the faction within the Ger- the German um, government. Um, they were a party of assholes. They were a party of assholes. Uh, anyway, um, I'm just glad the Nazis didn't discover Spider-Man before Sony because. Yes. I mean, those Tobey Maguire movies. But I feel like they're like, we have a radioactive spider, and we should... (laughs) He is turned radioactive by British selfishness. (laughs) (laughs) He's there to condemn all for 1,500 deaths. Um, Oh, boy. If you listen to this now, you know that Tim and I are not afraid of an accent, and we love to try them on. Um, It's also, when we're talking about hypocrisy, think about the hypocrisy of the the Nazis making their big propaganda play, pointing out that the British killed 1,500 people. I mean, come on. While while they were in the process of killing 12 million people. Unbelievable. By a modest estimate. Unbelievable. Wow. So I've thought a lot about how to tell this story. Yeah, you Um, have. And I think a lot of our audience still thinks 
this might be a totally fake thing that we've made up, that the Nazis spent $100 million, $180 million at the height of World War II when they were fighting war on all fronts to make a propaganda movie. Mm -hmm. um, this is real, so I hope that you will treat me like the skeptical studio executive, yeah. and I will play the role of the eager uh, screenwriter trying to get my Nazi Titanic movie made. Yes, um, the story because Hollywood is a town of dreams, <laughs> where you come to make the Nazi Titanic movie. <laughs> the story behind the story, <laughs> behind the story. So I think we start this with Fritz Lang who is a wonderful director. Um, yes. Fritz Lang directed Metropolis. He directed M. If you Which ever... are still, as you said, very influential films in, in the study of filmmaking. Um, Incredibly. Yeah. Um, this is kind of the father of noir. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a Filmstruck account, um, you can watch M right now, which I'm doing right now. And it's just shocking how good it is and how scary it is and how fast it moves and how well it works. It's, it's good. Um, Fritz Lang is a great director, one of the greatest directors ever. Um, so I think we started a movie in 1933 where Fritz Lang is called to meet mm -hmm. uh, Goebbels, the chief Nazi propaganda minister. Yes. Um, and a raging dick. He, uh, Lang, not Goebbels, is the director of two of the most influential films ever made, as we mentioned, Metropolis and M. Mm -hmm. And the reason he agrees to this meeting with Goebbels is, one, when the head of Nazi propaganda calls you, you kind of have to go. You kind of have to go, yeah. Uh, even in 1933. And also, he's made a film that's been banned because the Nazis didn't like its um, sort of up-with-the-people message. And he's trying to get that ban lifted, so he thinks maybe I can make nice with Goebbels. Yeah. So he goes past the guards who demand his papers because that's what Nazis do. And he walks down a long hall that echoes his every footstep because that's what Nazi halls do. And he's a compelling figure. He has an eye patch because he lost an eye fighting for Austria in World War I. Um, and Goebbels says, the Führer and I have seen and admire your films. <laughs> that was not a great accent. Um, the Führer and I have seen and admire your films. <laughs> yes. That was a little bit Christopher Walken. I had a little Walken in there. <laughs> sounded, I'll, I'll get it better. He sounded exactly like that. And he says, in response, Fritz Lang says to Goebbels, Herr Minister, I don't know if you know one thing. My father comes from an old peasant family, hundreds and hundreds of years back. My mother was born Catholic but her parents were Jewish. Uh-oh. Twist. Twist. Mm. And Goebbels, propagandist, says, Mr. Lang, we decide who is an Aryan. So now we cut to Lang, and we realize that he's telling this story in a 1974 interview to William Friedkin, yeah. director of The Exorcist. Yes. This interview between Friedkin and Lang is on YouTube. You can watch it. This is where we pulled these quotes yeah. from. And he says, what can I say? I didn't want it to end in a concentration camp because that's how things tend to go when you're sitting down with Goebbels. And he says he walked a clock outside the window. He decided then and there he needed to get out of Germany. He realized it was getting too late to go to the bank and get money to escape. He goes home. He starts to make arrangements to leave. Later, he looks outside his home and sees that it's surrounded by 200 Nazis. Um, and so that's where we're going to leave off that story. Then I want Friedkin to ask him, this is an invention mm -hmm. of me, the screenwriter. What kinds of films did they want you to make? And there we dive into the story of the Titanic. So <laughs> if you remember James Cameron's Titanic, where we've got the sweet old lady with the jewel, um, this the, is where and we... The, and the robo-boat yeah. with Bill Paxton, rest in peace, um, searching the wreckage. Yeah. This is the sweeping scene like that one, where we transfer back into the past. Yes. And we the, go and tell... The we grandfather tell, clock rewinds in reverse. And we tell the story of a great German ship called the Cap Arcona. The Cap Arcona is a German luxury liner 
built with the Titanic in mind. It's going to be better, more luxurious, and safer. They are well aware of what went wrong with the Titanic, and they want to show that they can do it better. The Cap Arcona sounds surprisingly pleasant and tropical for the Nazis, by the way. Well, that's because... Welcome to luxurious Cap Arcona in the Maldives. Like, <laughs> it did make trips to South America, to okay. Argentina. Um, and it was actually built before the Nazis. Oh, so ah. Titanic is 883 feet. The Cap Arcona is 676 feet. Mm. It's safer. It has 84 lifeboats compared to 20 for the Titanic. And was it better? Well, Matt Donnelly, will you read to us from a 1933 Christmas menu? From the Cap Arcona, from the wonderful book, The Nazi Titanic, written by Robert P. Watson. It would be my pleasure, and I'll say this, pull over and find your nearest Starbucks or grocery store, because this will whet the appetite. (laughs) Hello, tonight's menu includes three soups, a double broth with Caracal, and several courses, silver side fish fried a la Romana, veal with truffle sauce, hot some palm, royal potatoes, pork ribs, lamb with goose liver, celery, and spiral potatoes and grilled hens, and the main course, the delicacy of the world, Irish bird soup. I know our listeners have one big takeaway from that. What is Irish bird yes. soup? And if you want to know, tune in next week for the all Irish bird soup episode of Shoot This Now. Um, we have reached out to our Shoot This Now Irish stuff correspondent, Sarah McCarrick, yes. my beloved mother-in-law. Your beloved mother-in-law. Who is Irish. She is Irish and she is the salt of the damn earth. And she's going to tell us what's an Irish bird soup. Okay. Um, it doesn't sound that good. No. Oh, oh, bird soup doesn't sound that good? <laughs> I mean, what kind of bird goes in bird soup? Irish bird soup. <laughs> um, maybe all Irish birds die in service of the population, so their <laughs> final flight is into a steaming pot of broth and vegetables. <laughs> the soup is like, you know, I just went to go to the Glen, and it turns out to be a broth. I oh. thought the water was exceptionally warm today, but it was soup. The good news was it was in Saoirse Ronan's kitchen, so I went out with the A-list. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's a fine way to go. <laughs> So, yeah. So the Nazis, being very big on propaganda, yes. claim responsibility for this great ship, even though had, they had nothing to do with building it. Not at all. And, of course, they commandeered it for the war effort mm-hmm. and their propaganda effort. And Goebbels needs a director, so he enlists this fellow named Herbert Selpin. Now, he's German, but he's no Nazi supporter. Uh, he makes historical dramas. He's actually run afoul of the Nazis before because they think his films are a little bit too sympathetic to the British. Mm. And another thing that's going to be a problem for him, he's nicknamed the Hedgehog because he's known for kind of having a prickly personality. Um, he's an ex-boxer. He's a bit pugnacious. Mm-hmm. Um, God, an ex-boxer turned movie director is... That's quite, a, that's quite a couple of distinct personality traits. He's going to be an uh, argumentative dude. He's going to be, yeah. He's, he's going to make David O. Russell look like a fucking no, get to wizard there. Because I'm af- afraid of what David O. Russell might do to me. We're not afraid to speak out against the Nazis, but we are afraid of David O. Russell. <laughs> well, wait, can I tell everyone the joke sure. that I told you when so Tim brought this up to me and I said, oh my God, this is such an incredible story. And also, it's nice to know that there was someone who made a Titanic who was more difficult than James Cameron. <laughs> I meant that one. Go ahead. All right. So how are they going to offset their director, who may be a little bit strong-headed, to use a Sarah McCarrick Irish correspondent word, a bit strong-headed? Fortunately for them, they have a complete and total Nazi propagandist as a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. His name is Walter Zerlet Olfinius, 
and he doctors up the script real good for Nazi purposes. The bad guys are British, uh, trying to break a speed mm-hmm. record, pulling out all the stops, only care about their filthy lucre, mm-hmm. and the good guy is a German Nazi, a German officer who they have totally invented. Oh my God! Okay. Not a not a real person. Wow. He's just a a good German who they made up and put on the Titanic. <laughs> um, Goebbels pulls out all the stops. Remember, <laughs> he's the guy that lost the t- that lost the car game for the ticket to Leo, but they've just now. <laughs> Now they've just totally they're like, we're reclaiming our moment. And he won that card game and he got on that boat. So lovable. And he danced with Kathy Bates. Um. <laughs> so Goebbels pulls out all the stops, even though there is a war raging on multiple fronts and things aren't going so well for the Nazis at this point. Yeah. Um, especially on the Eastern Front, things are going very badly. Uh-oh. Um, first, he lets them use the actual Cap Arcona to shoot, pays for a 20-foot model of the ship, he allows them to shoot at night in Berlin, even though that puts them at risk of British bombers. Um, and he provides hundreds of soldiers to be consultants on this film, um, even though the tide of war is turning against the Nazis, particularly on the Eastern Front. Um, that part is according to the Times of Israel. Wonderful article. Mm-hmm. Now, remember how this was supposed to be a propaganda movie about the greedy and rapacious Brits? Well, the movie ends up having a bit of a Me Too problem. <laughs> how so? <laughs> Oh, my God. Selpin, the pugnacious boxy director. The hedgehog. The hedgehog (laughs) is having a lot of problems with Nazi sailors harassing his actresses. Oh, my God. You don't say. Yeah, because in addition to being Nazis, they're also assholes. Yeah. Kind of one and the same. Yeah. Um, So he complains about this. He goes off on this terror about the film and how things are going, including how bad the German sailors are. And he says this to Walter Zerlet Olfinius, who is, again, the screenwriter and a fanatical Nazi. So a multitasker. So yeah. what does Zerlet Olfinius do? He runs and tells on the hedgehog wow. to the Nazis. And Goebbels calls him into that office. Remember the office where they say papers and where yes. your footsteps and echo? The, and the clackety-clack hall? Clackety-clack yeah. hallway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Selpin, renounce your remarks. And Selpin says, no, I stand by my remarks. It's all true. These officers are terrible. Da 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 da. And also, the food services people are always late, and they never have the potato chips. And the like. Irish bird soup is cold <laughs> <laughs> every goddamn time. Craft services in this yes. film are a disaster. I, I said only the Irish bird soup from Scarpetta, not generic Irish bird soup from like Kroger. <laughs> I want the Whole Foods Irish bird soup. Go to Gelson's. <laughs> um, sadly, Goebbels does what. Nazis doing the situation and says, remove this man from my sight. Overreacts. He's dragged off to prison and is listed as a suicide. To which we will collectively say, a, a bullshit. bullshit. Um, Goebbels being Goebbels. That's a pot of bird soup if I've ever seen one before. <laughs> That's a pot of bird shit. <laughs> Goebbels being Goebbels also makes sure that there's film of this, um, of the screenwriter who he wow. Being hauled off? I probably had killed. I'm going to go out on a limb, uh, bird-like, and say he probably had him killed. I love all the bird symbolism <laughs> in this podcast. We've got to keep it light. Yes, exactly. This one really, this one really flies. You know uh, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so not only does he have the director killed, he also has his name banned from the set. Oh, my God. He brings in another director. I, again, um, I'll kill you, and then I'll go to work on you. You're the 10th name on the call sheet. You don't have a drive on. you got to park across the street. you got to walk over. Um, <laughs> he brings in another director named Werner Klinger. 
And imagine oh, how man. that meeting goes. Now, what happened to the previous director? Oh, um, creative he, differences. He spoke out against the rampant yeah. sexual harassment in our film, right. and we killed him. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So Werner Klinger comes in and finishes the film, and spoiler alert, it sucks. Um, it sucks in every way. Not only, uh, not only from our biased American perspective mm-hmm. does it suck, but even Goebbels thinks it sucks because now, as we mentioned, things are going very badly for Nazi Germany, and they realize, hmm, film, mm-hmm. uh, film audiences might not be invigorated and <laughs> jazzed up by seeing people die in the ocean. Yeah. Um, this is not going to go well. He bans it. Also, there's there's talk that perhaps Selpin snuck in some resistance messages to the okay. movie. Okay. God bless him. God bless him. That's great. Um, so everything falls apart for <laughs> everybody involved. Uh, obviously, the U.S. and England win the war. Yeah. Things are completely Thank falling God. apart for the Nazis. We're closing into the period when they're going to have to um, make peace or surrender or whatever we call that. Um, Goebbels commits suicide alongside his family. Uh, in the war's closing days, Hitler also commits suicide. There's a guy named Himmler, who is Hitler's basically number two. He's the person who's pretty much, who's very directly responsible for carrying out the Holocaust and is an all-around horrible person. He tries to negotiate this deal for himself towards the end. One of Himmler's survival plans is to load up a ship with concentration camp survivors and use them basically as bargaining chips. Right. Um, that ship, the Cap Arcona. My God. It's in the Baltics. And then things get really weird. Himmler uh, escapes because Hitler has figured out that he's trying to cut all these side deals and is no longer loyal. Um, He's later captured by former Soviet POWs. He kills himself with a cyanide tablet. Um, This leaves the ship in limbo. With the prisoners of war still on board. Still on board. And these two Nazi commanders uh, decide that what they're going to do is a final fuck you. Right before they officially make peace, they're going to sink this ship. It's disgusting. With all the people aboard. Un- and these uh, are unabhorrent, unfathomable. These are Jewish concentration camp <sighs> survivors. Um, these are other enemies of the state, supposed enemies of the state. Well, I guess being an enemy of the state of the Nazis isn't really a pejorative thing to say. That's yeah, actually exactly. Like I the highest yeah, praise. I don't know if there's one that has more priority over another. Um, um, so, yeah, these these proud enemies of the state um, are out at sea and there's a plan to sink the entire ship. The Germans are going to scuttle their own ship. It's filled with gasoline. They've taken away all of the lifeboats. They've disguised it as a troop movement ship because I guess that's a good cover. Yeah. Um, the British see the ship and they end up bombing it from the sky. The ship sinks. Uh, of the 4,500 people aboard, roughly 4,000 die. Um, a horrible ending to a horrible story. These account for some of the 12 million deaths, don't forget, that the Nazis are responsible for. Um, you remember that the Nazi propaganda Titanic movie ends with the lines, the deaths of 1,500 people remain unatoned for an eternal condemnation of England's quest for profit. Well, the deaths of 4,000 people aboard the Cap Arcona <sighs> remain unatoned for exactly. an eternal condemnation of Nazi Germany's quest for whatever they were trying to World do. World dominance, who knows. Um, so horrible people. Yeah. Wonderful story. Yes. Um, yeah. There is an enduring fascination too with, I think anyone who may, who, who aids the government in making propaganda, 
um, Lenny Reifenstahl, I think mm-hmm. is how you pronounce that, is yeah. also a very noted. And, and her, I think a, a lot of contemporary uh, film scholars and throughout the years have debated, like, they're, they're incredibly well-financed, mm-hmm. um, intuitive pieces of work, but they're just, their only purpose is to <laughs> destroy and, and, and brainwash. Yeah. And homogenize. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And also one of my favorite films I saw in the Czech Republic, I think I told you about, was called Cold War, which mm-hmm. is about essentially uh, Poland doing the same thing, sort of scouting its countrysides for um, real poor, folky acts to to uphold their message of communism. Yeah. Um, so I think anyone would love to see. I, I just think it's such a fascinating thing to talk about. So I think a movie about the Nazi Titanic would be incredible. I, I don't think there's a better example of propaganda and the inherent sin of propaganda mm-hmm. than this one. Yeah. Um, this is propaganda at its finest slash most expensive. It completely fails. It doesn't help them win the war. In fact, it helps them lose the war yeah. because they're diverting all these resources that they should have devoted to the battlefield to making this piece of propaganda shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't fool anyone. I mean, it actually exposes their own, their own hypocrisy more than it exposes the hypocrisy of their enemies. Wow. It's like the Titanic of Titanic movies. <laughs> so meta. Who would direct this? Um, I mean, this would be a pretty good Tarantino movie if he was interested. Because mm. um, it has a lot of... It, it actually has a lot of shifting perspectives, which is interesting to me. Yeah. I think we start off with Fritz Lang and maybe have him like bookend it. Um, there's probably a British a British pilot, perhaps played by Tom Hardy in a reprisal. Yeah, well, I was going to say, no, it Colonel. sounds like a Nolan movie. Oh, it could be. A, um, it could totally be a Nolan because movie. Because I feel like Tarantino would get too obsessed with interpersonal dynamics, and this is a movie that I think I need to I need to see the ship as a movie set every day. And that's a yeah. Nolan thing. <laughs> uh, we see we see Goebel, who mm-hmm. is sort of the Darth Vader of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, Himmler, who I guess is the emperor of this mm-hmm. whole thing. I mean, uh, like, it's, it's funny when people are so bad that comparing them to Star Wars characters, like, isn't... <laughs> Isn't hyperbolic enough? Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, these um, there are definitely these these dark forces running things. There's also the poor hapless director, who isn't really. I mean, I don't know how history yeah. should judge Selpin because, you know, he tried to do the right thing in a lot of situations, but he right. was also making a Nazi propaganda movie. That's true. That's true. I don't know how. I don't know how you can be a victim of circumstance. Like, I, I think the right thing to do is the thing we see at the very beginning, yeah. which is what Fritz Lang does, yes. which is leave right. if you can. Yeah, but, of course, right. a lot of people wanted to leave and couldn't. Yeah. Also, outrageous true stories like these, I think, need to have a really strong perspective. Yeah. And having just seen Black Klansmen, mm-hmm. I think Spike Lee would be amazing in something like this Ooh. because uh, he was not afraid to embrace the absurdity of his movie, which was about uh, the first African-American police detective in Colorado Springs yeah. who infiltrated the KKK and personally duped David Duke into coordinating a sting with the FBI. Um, he, would, he would be really good at this, and yeah. he's very good at like a a dark, cynical sense of humor yes. that doesn't take away from the overall message. Yes, and he doesn't feel the need, I think, to uh, put a weepy violin soundtrack on human atrocities, and he's happy to let the camera do that work for him and yeah. just show and not tell. Yeah. Um, as for who should play Goebbels, mm. I would actually like Johnny Depp to do that? I would like Christoph Waltz to play all the parts. <laughs> He's already done it. <laughs> um, I, I think Johnny Depp is at a point. Au revoir, Shoshana! <laughs> I think Johnny Depp is at a point where, like, his reputation is very bad. Yes. And, and he can almost 
gain more support by just embracing it and saying like I'm going to play something extremely risky and utterly lacking in any vanity yeah um, to say look I can still act um, and I think the best role in this is probably Selpin yeah I don't know who plays the pugnacious boxer well if there's if this is the movie about making the movie the director would probably be the most crucial character so or the one who carries the film across the finish line so yeah. I would agree with that yeah I just don't know who plays him yeah um, I don't know I don't know. I think that it's like, well, uh, who plays Kathy Bates? No. Um, <laughs> who plays Winslet? Uh, no, I'm kidding. It would um, be pretty funny if it was Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, it would be pretty funny, actually. Then he would come full circle in his Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen Titanic from both sides now. <laughs> wow. Um, the James Cameron propaganda vehicle yeah. and the real story. And then he just had to go out of space. He couldn't stay. Like, oh, like we've seen everything the caves have to offer yet? No. Um, you said that in the original, you told me that in the original Titanic, the first people who did the screen test were Matthew McConaughey. And yeah, I think the first attachments. And also, by the way, please note that Tim brought this up because Tim accuses me of trying to bring up Gwyneth Paltrow in every single podcast because I love her. Oh, yeah. Um, the first, I think the first attachments to Titanic were Matthew McConaughey and Gwyneth Paltrow. Wow. Um, and then... I believe Mr. McConaughey dropped out. Because they told Mr. McConaughey there would be no opportunity to take his shirt off. <laughs> That's true. I mean, no. They, if Matthew McConaughey would have played that part, like when he's swinging the axe to <laughs> get her handcuffs off the pipe, that would have been shirtless. He would have been drawing her in the nude, also shirtless himself. <laughs> um, she would have been drawing him in the nude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when Kathy Bates g- gives Leo her son's tux for dinner, he would have undressed in front of her. Like, oh my God, I should go back to that script and note all the places Matthew McConaughey would have been naked in that entire movie. Um, and as long as we're talking about uh, projects when the Paltrow did not come to fruition, she was originally supposed to be Roller Girl in uh, Boogie Nights. Wow. Yeah. That's anyway, amazing. Um, That's amazing. but no, this, uh, this, what would you call it? Um, can you just call it Nazi Titanic? I think Nazi Titanic would be a very uh, uh, smart marketing to call it Nazi <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> What's it about? Only because, well, like, here, here's, like, Evelyn and Peter Smith of uh, Homedale, New Jersey are looking through the newspaper they still <laughs> read, and they're like, he won't get far on foot. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots, Nazi Titanic. Let's go see that. You know. <laughs> also, I, I that was a joke. I know no Evelyn, nor do I know Peter Smith of Home Done, New Jersey. If you exist, any image or like this is not intended. They're already tweeting at us. They are. Oh, I'm already no. getting sued, and now they're going to be executive producers of the GoFundMe for Nazi Titanic. <laughs> Um, also, we should let you know if you would like to complain about anything in this yes. or any of our fine yes. family of podcasts, um, we now have a Twitter address. Yes, we do. At shoot this now pod. Pod, yes. Um, let us know your ideas for movies. Let us know what you like and don't like. If you want to review us on iTunes, feel free. Yeah. Actually, you, what you have to do is give us five stars and that will, that will unlock a, co- a, a comments box. Mm-hmm. Not, no, that's true. No, that's we true. Just want five stars, yeah. Yeah, that will unlock yeah, a comments yeah, yeah. box, and it will also look at Tim making a propaganda podcast for a podcast. I'm just saying that British avarice has <laughs> led to the creation of this American life, and it's time to shut it down and replace it with a more the small know, American business owner like me and Tim, just a pure, more honest podcast. Oh, much more important too. Before we go, um, who would sing the torch song? Oh God, who would sing the torch song? 
I'm so sorry, Capricorn. Um, I mean, it feels like it would be Lady Gaga, honestly. It could be, yeah, because then she'd have fun putting on like the really severe German looks, like military uniforms and a red lip, yeah. and like a one eye concealed by a cap of some sort. Oh, um, and she could wear the one. She could wear an eye patch, like in yeah. tribute to Fritz Lang. <laughs> and then one of the and the backup dancers would be dressed as hedgehogs. Sure. Yes. Sure. Uh, and now, as a special bonus episode, Matt and I do our best five minutes of material on Irish bird soup. <laughs> in America, Irish bird soup costs 15 pounds a bowl, but in Ireland it costs the tears of your disappointed father. Oh, did you hear about the Kilkenny man who went out drinking and to have some bird soup with his wife? And as he's on his way home, the police pull him over. And the policeman says, you know that your wife fell out two miles ago? And he says, oh, thank God. I was afraid I'd gone deaf in that here. You know, Tommy Lafferty fell asleep on top of the barn and looked just like a scarecrow, so we'll have extra bird soup tonight, won't we? You know, in Ireland, what they call Irish bird soup. What's that? Bird soup. (laughs) The only Irish-inclusive film is Pixar's Irish bird soup. It's about four magical birds who come together to make a a soup for a state dinner from the visiting president who no one likes. You're a few feathers short of a bowl of Irish bird soup. Every Irish romance ends badly because the lovebirds become soup. You know, he poured me a shot of Irish bird soup and I drank it down and then he said, well, you know, a bird can fly in one wing. I said, that's true. So he poured me a second one and then he said, hey, how about one for the road? And I said, well, all right then. And then he said, you know, a bird can fly in one wings. I said, man, that's bloody four wings. Me be in heaven a whole hour before the devil knows you died from botulism from Irish bird soup. (laughs) 